Hey fam, it's Tay. Just wanted to jump in with a content warning up top. Uh, we will be discussing death and grief in this episode. There is a death pretty early on, um, not a main character or anything, but it does affect one of the main characters. And so we talk about it pretty heavily throughout. Um, just wanted to give you that warning. And yeah, without further ado, on with the episode. It's the Lost Years Pod. Lost Years Pod. Running through this show called Boy Meets World is what we're doing. Sid and Tay are your friends who will always stand by you. It's the Lost Years Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast. I'm Sid. I'm Tay. And welcome to season four, episode four. 44. 44. Four for four, Wendy's. Wendy's. (laughs) They've done it. The sponsor of Safety Town group chats everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a bit for just being said. I love making jokes on here that everybody can relate to. Yeah, it's super <laughs> relatable jokes. <laughs> oh, Hey, man, let's get into it. What are you nostalgic for this week? I am nostalgic for the 2019 uh, New York Mabim Band live show that I, I went know? to three years ago. Um, look, knew. I've had a day. <laughs> I just knew. Are we going to talk about this on the podcast? I would like to. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a little bit of a humble brag, but also it's like the weirdest morning that I had. So <laughs> yeah, three years ago, I went to uh, New York City with some friends. We were, uh, as Tay and I have mentioned before, we are fans of the McElroy brothers and the family as a whole, but a few of us went to uh, go see their shows, their live shows in New York City. And before the show had started, not even before the show had started, a week before, I had tweeted at Lin-Manuel Miranda creator of hamilton and in the heights and other do we need awesome to- things but also just a mcelroy brothers fan as well yeah. <laughs> which is still wild and i'd mentioned something about seeing you in new york question mark and he said maybe and i was like okay cool so he's gonna be at the shows and typically when he's at the shows he's gonna perform mm-hmm. um and lo and behold he did and i was sitting in the front row and it was a very fun night and everything about that was crazy but that was about three years ago today Mm -hmm. and I had shared a photo of it on Instagram today uh to which Lynn had reshared it but then just casually slid in my DMs (laughs) (laughs) like actually engaged with me back Mm -hmm. um I didn't say anything to him that prompted it other than just posting the photo. And so it was the most wild thing to open up my Instagram app again and see him just casually talking to me about uh, what he did on that day mm-hmm. and how, you know, there's only the McElroy fans that would understand the song that he sang. And yeah, I was like, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, <laughs> so that whole weekend was really fun, but also this morning was just weird. Uh, and I, I yelled about it multiple times today yeah it was so. deeply chaotic he's famous yeah <laughs> like, but it, it, it was it was truly it was the casual nature in which he spoke to you like this was a like he was just vibing with a fr- like sir like we were just pals like you're just two pals bonding over a shared experience like this is not like, like honest i <laughs> i settled at the like conclusion of all of us yelling about this i was like actually i'm mad i've decided i'm mad about this <laughs> because he should know better that's insane <laughs> i just i had a a day of work that was planned and uh the first half of the day i just could not focus at all right um because yeah he very casually chatted me up and then i responded to him and he kept engaging and just- i was like what what is happening yeah 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 (laughs) um also just being in that room when it happened three years ago was absolutely wild because it's how love for matt doyle also stemmed from that Mm -hmm. Uh, and then everything about the past couple years and being a part of that whole community happened so it was just a very fun night but it's fun it's fun it goes and goes what a wild time anyway what are you nostalgic for (laughs) Mm, i was ping-ponging between two as of this evening, but mm-hmm. 
I think I'm, I'll save this one for next time. I think I'm going to go with Exandria Calamity. Uh, yeah, man. I want to go back and watch it. Now. I know. It's, it's, uh, man. Okay, so here's, here's what's up. I'm not a huge Critical Role fan. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I wouldn't even call myself a Critical Role fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of Brennan Lee Mulligan and Abrea Iyengar and Lou Wilson. I love them. And um, they have done a lot of things together in the D&D space in the last few years. Um, one of them being uh, Exandria Calamity, which was a prequel to a lot of the Critical Role um, stuff. I don't know. Lore? <laughs> lore yeah lore it's it's like a big it's amount of lore and it's a prequel lore yeah um which is it's chronicling this is not a spoiler again because it's a prequel it's chronicling um the basically the apocalypse of the land that much of uh critical role is set in and mm-hmm. um it is perfect D separate from you know rules which are followed pretty well in general but also like Rule of cool, you know, if something's cool, I'm going to let you do it. Um, it is <laughs> technically perfect D&D in that the role play is so good and the amount of story that they were able to tell in, I would say four episodes, but they're like several hours long each. So I would say like 20 hours is probably more accurate. Mm-hmm. It's just like absolutely astonishing. And the amount of commitment that comes from all of those people to be able to do something that insanely good is I, I just have no words for it and I will never, ever, ever be normal about it. I was just watching um, <laughs> clips of <laughs> specifically Abria and Travis just reacting to things. Like I just watched like a four part, like each episode breakdown of just them reacting to stuff and crying. Just <laughs> crying uh, because it's so good. And even just like the little clips of like moments that were out. And I just, I, I simply, I will never be that good at anything as good as like those people are at playing D&D and improving. And like, I just don't know how something that perfect and that moving gets to just like exist and we get to just have it forever. It blows my mind. And I'm going to cry if I talk about it too much. (laughs) No, I love that you bring that up because it's not like it is scripted by any means. I mean, people think that, uh, I remember seeing that people thought that like Critical Role was scripted Mm -hmm. and uh, Dimension 20 and just all these things. And they're like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like you have an outline, but you just get to improv it. And yeah, the fact that it sounded and is like some of the best storytelling that I've ever heard. And they just came off with, uh, like top of the dome with that. Incredible. Yeah. And yeah, they're really long, but totally worth it. Tay and I watched it live uh, the last one. I did. At least. Yeah, we both did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was crazy. <laughs> and it cried multiple times. I was um, like sobbing for hours. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like four hours of it, I yeah. I was just crying the entire time. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And it's also two in the morning at this point. Oh my God. It <laughs> was like so one late. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It, it literally, because it didn't start until 9 p.m. our time and it was six hours long. <laughs> it's like yeah. six, it was like six and change. Like it was not short. Um, so we were definitely up till 4 a.m. And I didn't do that for every episode, but the finale... I, like oh, it's the finale absolutely all i was it. thinking about for the month that that was going on was calamity and like for much of afterwards and also still sometimes now <laughs> like that it's that is just in, in my brain <laughs> i don't i don't have anywhere else to put all of that so, so yeah so anyway i'm just nostalgic for getting to watch that for the first time i wish i could go back and re-experience it for the first time again and everyone yeah. should watch it. It's perfect. It's literally perfect. Like, I, I cannot imagine something being better than it was. The only thing, I say this a lot, the only other thing that has, like, affected me that much is uh, Dimension 20 is a Court of Fame Flowers, which everyone should also watch. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's literally been months and I'm, like, still deeply unnormal about Calamity and I will never be normal about it, so... You mentioned this. The fact that you know how it's going to end also just makes it worse, yeah. like better and also worse because you're like, oh, no, I don't want I don't want the thing to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't want an apocalypse, but here we are. So, you kind of, yeah, yeah. Everyone should watch it. It's like the hope. You're like holding on to that hope of like, ah, oh, maybe Even it's just, it's not going to come. Maybe it won't be bad. Yeah. Man. Always thinking about. <laughs> Always thinking about the past. Um. Speaking uh, of yeah. the past. <laughs> Speaking of the past, do you want to get into it? <laughs> I would love to. Uh, season four, episode four, is titled Fishing for Verna. The episode aired on October 11th, 1996. It was directed by Jeff McCracken and was written by Matt Nelson. His synopsis is, At long last, Sean's mother Verna has returned to town. She refuses to go home for good until Chet can prove that he wants to be a real family again. Yeah. I don't know, man. I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts i have a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. let's just do it let's just do it. i will say this is a pretty this is a pretty good synopsis um yeah look there's so much here there's so much here to unpack and <laughs> let's we're gonna do it um first scene we are in the matthews kitchen amy has set the table for breakfast for the whole family and first on the stairs is eric who's excited because it's his morning to open the store he rushes out without eating morgan is next on the stairs and amy lists the breakfast she's made there's a car horn and morgan says there's tina's mom she has candy and runs out the door alan then follows and asks amy if eric's left yet because he forgot the key to the store she asks him to sit for five minutes and he says no 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 he'll get there think the store's closed and take the day off and he then leaves lastly is Corey. amy says i know i know you're in a rush you're late you're on your way to meet topanga well let me make things easier for you and just open the door Corey says hey out of way to think ahead and he leaves end of scene yeah i feel bad for amy because she's putting in a ton of effort and no one's appreciating it um being a stay-at-home mom and also on the flip side i love how happy eric is to be working he is very like he just seems really content with Mm -hmm. everything and that's really sweet and so does alan but they're all just kind of rushing out so quick um okay so the next scene we are in the cafeteria Corey and topanga are in the lunch line and stop at brenda the lunch lady an older woman who is very caring with their lunch gives Corey gravy on his mashed potatoes the way he likes it and saved a slice of pie for topanga that she really wanted they leave the line as sean runs in frantic and asks Corey how long it's been since he's seen his mother Corey says you mean since she took her little vacation sean says she ran away she ran away for a year Corey. deal with it i have Corey replies and you're doing much better sean says thanks now, how long has it been since I've seen my mother? Corey says, I don't know. How long do you think it's been? Sean says, a minute. I saw my mom, Corey. She's right across the street at the Trailer View Motel. She was looking through her window at our trailer. Corey, my mom's back. And Corey just like thinking about this is how we end the scene. <laughs> First of all, I love that they all love the school lunch lady. Me too. Uh, and she's very kind and they are very kind back. And it's just a little cute relationship there. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and the fact that um, Sean runs in, obviously looking frantic. I had to rewatch the scene twice because whenever he was saying, uh, how long has it been? And then said a year and then went, how long has it been? And I was like, what are you asking? <laughs> because I was like, you just said it's been a year. And then I understood that. Yeah. No, don't worry. It's only been a minute. But <laughs> oh, boy, she's back. <laughs> also, he says it's been a minute, but he saw her through the trailer did he sprint to school in less than 60 <laughs> seconds <laughs> he could have said like just a few minutes ago right or like he could have said like yeah that's weird 10 minutes he said a singular minute which is very then a minute <laughs> This is just me nitpicking, but it is very funny. Next scene, we are back at the trailer park. Corey is with Sean, who is telling his dad that he saw his mom and she's been watching them. Chad asks how long she's been there, how she looks, and when she's coming home. John says, I don't know. I haven't gone over there yet. Chad asks why, and he says, I'm afraid I'm going to chase her away again. Chad stands up and says, you didn't chase her away. You're the only reason she stayed here as long as she did. Sean thanks him. And if you remember, Chad has a gruff, scary voice. It's not scary. It's just very gruff. I'm not going to do it. So... I can't. Why would you ask me to do that? I'm just kidding. Okay. Sean thanks him and Chad continues. Why is she over there spying on us? Heck, she's probably after my secret plans. Corey says, what secret plans? Chad's like, nice try, Corky. Corey says, you guys have been looking for this woman for a year and now you found her. Now go get her before she leaves again. Chad says, no, it's like some beautiful butterfly sat down for a moment on a branch next to you. And you know, if you just so much as breathe wrong, it'll fly away and you'll never see it again. 
Sean calls it a delicate situation. What we need is someone who won't be thought of as a threat. They then both look over at Corey, who improbably has a monarch butterfly on his hand and is gently talking to it. He looks up at them and says, what? And we hard cut to him knocking on the motel door. And for the first time, we see Verna, who tells him to come in and that she's been expecting him. I saw you through the window crossing the turnpike. He says, then you know how lucky I am to be alive. I will say Verna has like a, a very Southern accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. It's, it's just she's very Southern. <laughs> it seems confusing, but whatever. She laughs and gives him a little kiss on the cheek and says, it's nice to see him. You're growing up real handsome. He thanks her and says, listen, I'm just here to tell you on behalf of them. And he mutters a couple of chickens that they miss you. They miss you very much. She says she misses them too. And he asks, well, if they miss you and you miss them, then why aren't you guys together? She says, well, I suppose I could just go over there and we'd all have ourselves a big emotional reunion. We'd hug and kiss and five minutes would go by and then where would we be? Corey says, well, you'd be a family. She says, no, we'd just be together. I left because we were three unhappy people living together under the same tin roof. Just being married doesn't make you a good husband and wife, and just having a little boy doesn't make you a good father and mother. Corey says, yeah, I guess you have to want to be. She says, I know I have no right to hope for anything because I left my family, but in that time, I learned that all I want to be is a good wife and a good mother, but I need to know that Chet wants to be a good father, too. Corey says, okay, then I'll just go back and tell them that. She says, it doesn't help coming from you, but for my family, I need to see it happen in its own time. Corey asks how long she's going to wait there, and she says, you're a good boy for being their little messenger, and if you want to take a message back, go tell Sean that I love him and give him a big kiss on the lips right for me. Uh, Corey says, I'll definitely do some version of that. He leaves, and that is the end of the scene. Oh, boy. So, yeah, the fact that she's been across the road for a certain amount of time is just very uh, heartbreaking, and whenever Sean said that it was his fault I was like it's not your fault that your parents left you and that is such weird and sad trauma that now this small boy has the way that Sean is looking at his dad uh whenever Corey asks like why don't you just go talk to her or whatever they say he's like looking to him for like some sort of validation like for his dad to make the move and the fact that his dad is Mm -hmm. also like nah after being the one that like left him as well to go try to get yeah. her is so sad. The little goof about the literal butterfly perched on Corey's hand could not believe that. <laughs> so uh, silly. So silly. Uh, and I'm glad that you also noticed uh, with the Southern accent and made a comment about it because that's in my notes of Sean's mom and dad are both Southern and Sean is fully <laughs> not. And it didn't, it doesn't match. And the way that she is also Southern is like, old time country like 1800s and i'm like you're in philadelphia (laughs) it's the 90s where are you from 1996 (laughs) um yeah i was like like ma'am you seem like a very nice woman why did you leave your son um i get the whole you know we're not we wouldn't be a family but we would just be together but it's like this is the like a weird way to go about it and you shouldn't just fully abandon them. And mm-hmm. same with his dad. But, I mean, his dad has back and they, they actually kind of have a home and is making an effort and everything. So it's just a weird scene, man. I have I have so many weird and complicated feelings about Verna because I think in some ways she tried, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when she left, she left for a, a very specific reason that she thought was right. But, like, you not only abandoned your son, you took his house with you. And so I have so many, like, you are not a good person. And, like, the way that they are um, framing this is, like, I mean, yes, I did the wrong thing, but I did it for a good reason. And I'm, like, there is no actually good reason for what you did. Well, and I think now putting it back on, well, Chet has to be the one to like agree to everything and it's like you yeah you were the one that fully left (laughs) and and like kept evading him as as he was like please come back and be with me and our son yeah (sighs) i have a lot of feelings (laughs) 
sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So so the next scene, we are back at the trailer. Sean and Chad are waiting, and we hear horns honk and tires screech as Corey bursts in and says, eight lanes and not one stinking island. I mean, you got to be Moses to get across that highway. <laughs> Chad asks, well, Moses, is she in or is she out? Corey says, look, the only thing I can tell you is she's going to be watching you from right where she is. Chet says, that's creepy. <laughs> The way he says it is really so funny. Uh, he finishes, and somewhat exciting. Sean asks what they do now, and Chet says, I guess we stand next to the window and try to look appealing. They teleport next to a window, which we see them look out of uh, with awkward smiles, and that's the end of the scene. It's like just bad framing, because there's, there's seemingly so much space mm-hmm. from where they are to where the window seems like it is. Yeah. But then they cut to it be like them a shot from outside the window and they're just next to it. And I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> I, <laughs> you look so incorrect. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's so, it's just such a complicated thing. Uh, whenever he was like, well, is she in or is she out? I was like, the chat, there's more right. to it, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still a bummer. And I love that's <laughs> creepy and somewhat exciting. <laughs> it was just- yeah. <laughs> Such a silly line, but the ending on the awkward smiles just out of the window is a very lighthearted way to touch on this entire topic. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This whole episode is lot is very complicated. It's extremely gray, which I think they do very well. Like I feel like a lot of the show sometimes will deal with gray topics in a way that I think, especially as they get older, I think they do very interestingly but it's also like ugh, man you've painted a specific picture here and i feel like you're trying to change the picture and yeah. i i don't i think it's still wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh. um okay so the next scene we are back in the cafeteria Corey and topanga are in the lunch line again except brenda's not there and they're a little worried feeny then comes into the calf and announces that sadly brenda has passed away Corey's like, she was just here yesterday doing the lava on my mashed potato volcano. Feeney says, I'm sorry, Mr. Matthews, and then asks the students for a moment of silence for her in remembrance. The students are silent for a second, and then the cafeteria goes back to normal, and students continue bustling around. Feeney sort of sadly starts to walk away until Corey's like, aren't we going to do, like, an assembly or have a ceremony or something? And Feeney tells him at the moment that there are no plans and leaves. Corey and Topanga turn back to the line, and a new lunch man plops a glob of potatoes down unfeelingly, which Corey looks at sadly, and that is the end of the scene. I think the saddest thing about this scene, uh, it's it feels and is a little later confirmed that uh, this is the first time that Corey's had to deal with like a death before of someone that he yeah. knows, um, which is very it's a very strange you know kind of topic whenever it does come up in your life because it comes up in everybody's life, right? But mm-hmm. when you haven't experienced it before, then all all of a sudden you have to deal with a death and you're like and that's it and that's just kind of life um it's very strange and i think he does a good job emotionally just seeming very shocked in this but what bums me out is that none of the background kids pretty much have any emotion and Corey and topanga are both visibly hurt Upset, by it yeah. right and so yeah it just kind of quickly happens and it's it's a bummer yeah i'm trying to think if i i mean i had a couple of not a teacher, but sort of like this, just like a school figure that I had some sort of relationship with. He died after I graduated. Mm. And it's such a weird feeling or like, like it's a, it's a weird death to kind of deal with, especially as like a teenager mm-hmm. um, or like a young adult, like, because it's, you don't know them really outside of the like relationship that you have with them in school. Right. Yeah. And so you have these feelings of like appreciation for the things that they've done for you while you were in school, but it's like, you know, nothing about them as human beings in the, the way that like, you know, besides what they did for you in that building. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's just, I feel like the feeling of, of the weight of the things that you will now never know. Right. Because of the fact that they're gone is such an interesting level of like, I don't know. It's it's confusing. It's confusing and it's weird. And like, obviously, Corey is sad, as is Topanga, you know, visibly. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what do I do with this? Like, I don't know how to deal with this specifically. 
Um, and they're still so young, you know? Yeah, and because it's not like a family member, right? And even right. family, sometimes you don't know them fully if they do pass. But it's like they, they are such a constant in your life for a very specific point of life. Like none of his family has been there in the middle of the day like mm-hmm. in this situation right and it's just it's sad because it's like you kind of had that mutual understanding of like each other even without knowing anybody and the other thing is whenever this type of stuff does happen because it also happened with me um so my schools uh and not how you said like not teachers but just like people that were around the school um mm-hmm. it's like when you find out that teachers have lives outside of school it's like you never actually yeah. know the people that you're also interacting with on a daily basis and that's yeah, mm-hmm. just an instance of it it's like you wouldn't have known that she was having issues or like health problems or like whatever yeah. and you don't have a right to know that but it's just it's weird because like you think that you know people too but you don't really <laughs> yeah for Corey, i mean Corey was like she was just here yesterday like how is she just gone yeah like that's got to be so jarring. And I think as far as from not all deaths, but like there's a lot of deaths that are very, very sudden. You're just like, whoa. And and how do you deal with that? You know? Yeah. Um, especially when it is that level of like, I don't, I only know so much about this person. And I feel like I've lost out to know, like on, on the time to potentially know more. Um, but you also don't realize that you want that until it's too late. And it's like, oh, there's so many things here. Um just like not knowing what people are going through that's kind of the theme of it yeah like i didn't know (sighs) okay so the next scene we are back in the trailer sean and chet are still awkwardly staring and smiling at the trailer window until chet says that the looking appealing is starting to hurt his face sean goes you heard Corey. we just gotta wait Chet's like, nothing good comes from waiting. I say we go get her. You go around the back so she can't escape and I'll steal her tires. <laughs> Sean stops him and says, you tried to get her once. You chased her across the country for a year and that was no good for any of us. Chet asks what, what he means and he says, it was bad enough losing mom, but I figured during that time you and I could have gotten to know each other. Chet's like, come on, we know each other fine. Sean says, dad, if you knew me at all, you'd have known not to leave me or at least take me with you. Chet says, I made a decision that the best thing for you was to stay in school. Besides, I called every couple of weeks to check up on you, make sure you're all right. Sean says, yeah, every 23 days, like clockwork. Chet's like, hey, I was out of state. Maybe Candace Bergen can make all those, I don't know who this person, Candace Bergen, I think is actually how he says it, can make all those long distance phone calls, but I can't. Sean says, a postcard might have been nice. Chet says, hey, am I here? Sean says, yeah. Chet asks, am I better than a postcard? Sean relents, yeah. Chet asks, did your mother send you any postcards? Sean says, no, no postcards. She sent me letters though. Chet asks, how many? And he says, one every day since she's been gone. Chet's kind of disbelieving, so Sean grabs a box full of letters from his mom. They say that she loves me and that she thinks about me every day, how sorry she is for leaving, and uh, she hopes one day I'll understand. Chet's looking at the box, almost confused and silent, and then there's a knock on the door. It's Frankie asking them to watch his little brother Herman while he ventures across the interstate to get milk. This is a pretty funny bit, but it's deeply unimportant in this moment. I genuinely don't know why it's here. Um, But Chet sits down at the table and starts reading the letters from Verna, then apologizes to Sean for not calling more or writing letters too. Sean says, I lost my mom. I don't think I deserve to lose my dad too. Chet tells him he was trying to put the family back together again. And Sean's like, mom was gone. You and I could have been together. We could have been a family, but you didn't want that. Why didn't you want that, dad? We didn't get an answer to this because that is the end of the scene. Oh, my heart. I know. Uh, Okay. Starting at the beginning, the them still smiling in different outfits this time just smiling out the window is still terrifying Mm -hmm. uh which is great (laughs) i just feel so bad for sean all the time um the fact that he had it down where he knew uh when his dad was going to call the 23 days like clockwork i keep wanting to just say it's heartbreaking and sad but that's like how i'm feeling (laughs) every single moment of this episode yeah uh whenever sean is actually at this point finally like getting to be more honest with his dad yeah about Um, how he was affected yeah because it's not like they just up and left it's like you you impacted my life in a very negative way Mm -hmm. and here's all the reasons why the fact that there's a moment where chet also wants to pit his mom or his yeah his son against his mom like did Um, she send you any letters is very sad because he did yeah (laughs) or she did but like i it is kind of like a rewriting of history of sorts because like he again did the same exact thing and it's like you're not alone he literally went 
out of the city to try to get you to come back home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so did Corey and everything. And like, you were just down the road too. You didn't even want to come back to your home and like actually and even up until being in the jail like it didn't even Mm -hmm. seem like he still wanted to be like sean's dad again in this moment uh and actually like being there for him and so to then make it seem like well your mom doesn't care it's like well (laughs) you also didn't either yeah um and yeah it's it's just sad i do i did love frankie just randomly showing up because it had been ages but it seemed very you're right out of place it was just like okay, you're coming to the trailer now. Do you know this man? <laughs> does your, Seems like does it. your brother know? His brother's so cute, by the way. Yeah. The way that he really... also talks is exactly like Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really it's fun. It's so great. It's fun. Um, it's a fun and it's a cute and funny moment. It's just completely out of place. It's like it's in the middle of their conversation. <laughs> and then they just kind of go right back to it being very serious yeah Um, and it has no bearing really on anything else that happens in the episode like it's so weird they just like needed to add a couple minutes on this scene or something i don't know i mean i really think this was their one time to be like we need something that's funny in this episode because (laughs) both of our main plots are sad that's true actually (laughs) they're so we can't have everything be a bummer in this one (laughs) yeah um so yeah that's so funny but yeah, the line of just, you didn't want that. Why didn't you want that, dad? I know. It's like, sweet boy. And to not get an answer, I think, is a really, really interesting way to end that scene. Because not only do we not hear from Chet's perspective, whether or not he answers the question or if he has any answer at all, we as the audience are also wondering what the answer to that question is, right? Yeah. Which I think it's just like fun. Like, oh, we're here too. We're all in this right now experiencing it the same way like why doesn't he want to be with his kid why didn't he want to be there and we don't know we don't know and neither does sean and i love that i mean i don't love it it's sad but in the way that it's like a good written television and the fact that it was like his mom and his dad it was like that was no good for any of us Mm -hmm. that's a weird thing to hear as a kid because they're both leaving him Mm -hmm. he is just there and it's i know that parenting is like a whole big thing that i have not experienced myself but it's the worst way in my opinion to go about this where you both just up and vanish without having any backup plan yeah and like not chatting or like not doing anything and i know that like sometimes you just have to get out of a situation but when there's again a kid that's involved (laughs) that is just rough (laughs) it's rough it's selfish and it bums me out um it's very much like these two people should not have a kid because they were not equipped to have one. But, um, you know, what can he do, really? Which is also so sad because Sean is just a a wonderful yeah guy, you know? He's and he's such a great friend and all of these things. And it's Despite like... Despite his circumstances. Yeah. Mm. He's still such a good kid. And it's... Oh, I love it. Oh, it makes my heart sad my boy uh. writer strong has some of my favorite acting in this entire show oh my god yeah the way that he can handle these deeper um episodes and themes and everything mm-hmm. a chef's kiss he's really great he's really really great he's really good at what he does he's a, he's he's doing his job well and correctly and good for him <laughs> and for god that bless. i applaud him <laughs> for that i applaud him and we go to the next scene. Uh, this is a quick one. We are back in the Matthews kitchen. Amy is sitting at the table once again with a full breakfast prepared as Eric, then Alan, then Morgan all rush out the door. Finally, Corey comes down with a sad sigh and Amy asks if he's going to have something to eat. He tells her about Brenda and says food would hurt too much right now. Amy stands and says, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. He says, I know. I mean, all those years of serving food to kids who never appreciated her and then she dies. Some life, huh? He goes to leave, and Amy then looks sadly back at the prepared breakfast, and that is the end of the scene. Amy, my queen. I know. (laughs) Poor Amy this episode. (laughs) I love, what I do love about this scene is Corey is processing grief in the way that you would with someone that is not, like, in his circle, but is around, you know, where it's just like, you have the initial shock whenever it's all happening. It's like, the longer that it's going on, the more he... Like, it's at the top of his mind still and is, like, really thinking about it on a deeper level, which I love, uh, and the fact that his mom was being supportive about it. But whenever he said, some life hot and just left, I was like, Corey, it's happening right in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) 
But yeah, I just yeah. I want to I want to go have breakfast with Amy. I know. All the breakfast looks so good too. Like every day she's prepared a full breakfast. There's like orange juice at every spot. Like I feel like at a certain point, right? She would stop, but she doesn't. Every day she does she makes breakfast for her family and she hopes that they will sit and have breakfast with her. What a routine. Especially now that everybody does have their routine and yeah. like Eric is working with Alan because this whole time before he had been at home or like at school and everything and it all just kind of seemed orderly. So now they have this own thing and it's great, but now she's just by herself. Mm-hmm. Um and that's unfortunate. It's really me. sad. It's really sad. All right, well, hey guys, now we're going to take a sad break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not. It's it's a normal break, um, but we are sad. So I don't know. We're just going to take a break and we'll be right back with more Fishing for Verna right after this. Hello, everybody. It's Sid. Welcome once again to everybody's favorite part of the podcast, the mid-roll. Uh, hey, I hope you're doing okay with this episode uh, because I know that we are talking about some pretty deeper themes and uh, it's starting to get a little bit serious. So take a break if you need, get some water. Uh, But yeah, first things first, we're going to talk about the Patreon. If you like our show and any of the others on the network, please consider backing us at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. For just $2 a month, you can get access to hours and hours of bonus content, and every donation helps support us and the network. We also have some cool merch in the Scavengers Network store. Uh, Again, once again, it's our sweet little idiot dad hat. You want a dad hat, right? We can match. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, But yeah, we do have the sweet little idiot dad hat on the scavengersnetwork.com slash shop. And if you go down to the Lost Years You'll see all of our merch and we're still working on the other merch and it's going to hopefully be coming out soon and we're excited for you to see it. Yeah. Until then, get yourself a dad hat. Okay. I have talked enough in this. Uh, So thanks for listening. Once again, drink some water, take a little break. Thanks for joining us. Let's get back to the episode. Hey man, have you listened to Days and Confused 33 and a third? Be a lot cooler if you did. Dazed and Confused 33 and a third. We're cruising through the movie one song at a time with a cool new guest every week. We're talking about the fashion, the music, the characters, what they meant to us then, and how we relate to them now. So join us at Dazed and Confused 33 and a third. Just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. And we're back. Um, so the next scene, we were at the trailer. Sean and Chet are sitting on the floor looking at old pictures and laughing. As Corey comes in, Chet shows Sean a picture of them teaching him how to ride a bike. And Sean says, our family wasn't messed up all the time, was it, Dad? Chet says, nah, we had a Kodak moment or two. They hand the picture to Corey, who notes that he's riding inside. And Chet says, sure, that's Toys R Us. He's riding down aisle five. Sean says, yeah, we couldn't actually afford to buy a bike. Chat's quietly like, yeah, money was a little short that year. I'm sorry about that, son. Sean says, hey, it doesn't matter to me. Fun is fun. Corey asks if they've been up all night looking at pictures, and Chet confirms, time really flies when you, well, when you stick around and hang out with your son. He pulls another photo out and starts laughing. Hey, look, there's you on a bear rug. That's your butt. And that's the end of the scene. Oh. Uh, I This scene made me think of uh, whenever they said, we had a Kodak moment for two. The branding that Kodak had on photos Truly. is amazing. Because they're just a photo developing company, right? Yeah. And everybody was like, this is a Kodak it's moment. It's a Kodak moment. I still say that. I don't have a disposable camera. <laughs> I haven't had one in years. Or a film um, camera even. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing. I do really appreciate that Chet is uh, learning something here uh, mm-hmm. by being with Sean and just kind of reminiscing all night and kind of getting, I guess not knowing who sean is now now that i'm thinking about it it's like they're they're looking back at the past and like how good life was but also it's like life hasn't been good clearly um but i like that they're looking at the good times i guess yeah i just like them hanging out (laughs) yeah there's bonding happening which is i think what sean is in need of right like he wants to feel like his parents care about him and getting to know him because it's a thing that he has not really had that much. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's he's he is happy in this moment. And I think that's like super important because that's really all he wants. Yeah. 
Sweet boy. Sweet baby boy. Um, so the next scene, we are at a funeral home. Corey walks in dressed in a suit and starts talking to what he thinks is the undertaker, who we can see is actually Feeney, about what he's supposed to do <laughs> since it's his first time at a funeral home. Um, Feeney says, you're supposed to be in school, Mr. Matthews, and turns around. Corey sort of like starts surprised and says, don't do that to a person, especially in a place like this. Feeney asks, first time you've ever been in a place like this? And Corey confirms and then looks at the casket, says, you know, I didn't even know her. All I knew is that she served us food. There's got to be more to a person's life than that. Feeney sits down and says, oh, don't lightly dismiss something that meant the world to this woman. She loved you kids. When anyone would ask her if she had children, she always replied, I have 900. Corey smiles and asks, but she didn't have any kids of her own? Feeney replies, not everyone's that blessed, but she did have a place where she was cared about, a place she knew she belonged, that blessing she recognized, and I, for one, will miss her. Corey says, yeah, well, her 900 kids are going to miss her too. They smile at each other, and Corey gets up to go, but before he does, he asks Feeney, how do you make people feel that they're wanted and that they should be together if they don't recognize it? Feeney asks, do you recognize it? Corey replies, yeah, I do. Feeney says, well, then tell them, Mr. Matthews, that's what friends are for. Corey thanks him and leaves, and Feeney adds, and be careful crossing that highway. <laughs> That's the end of the scene. I love that everything happens next to this highway, that it's I know. just a death trap. <laughs> um, oh, the fact that Corey actually cared enough to go to her funeral, and that it is just him and Mr. Feeney is such a... It's so kind. It's so sweet. But also so sad. Yeah. Um, I love that he calls him Mr. Undertaker because what a way to greet anybody um, <laughs> that is like, obviously it's funny because it's Feeney, but it's can imagine walking up to somebody being like, Mr. Undertaker. <laughs> Chaos. Uh, please help me. I have no idea what to do at funerals. <laughs> it's such a, such a fun line. The line that got me, I teared up in this scene, uh, was when she said she didn't have kids. She had 900. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, writers? Um, it's just very sweet. Yeah. Um, I just always love, like, I know that the whole point of the show is lessons and life lessons, right? But I love when, even in this moment where it's not, like, it's kind of Feeney explaining it, but also Corey just going through life and realizing the lesson himself and then being like, I'm going to do something about it. This is just the best. <laughs> Yeah. I know it's the whole point of the show. <laughs> but it's, no, it's so fun when we're, like, really hitting it, you know? Um, yeah. I think it is very sweet. I mean, it's Feeney, right? Like, he's never not going to do the helpful thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it is very sweet that Feeney and Corey get to have this conversation in this moment because, obviously, I mean, Feeney said, I I'm going to miss her, too. And he was very much... Um, affected when he went in and announced that she had passed um, and so I think it's really lovely that Corey and Feeney get to have this conversation of like yeah we're we're gonna miss her and like we know that that's true you know mm -hmm. <sighs> and also for for Corey to find out like maybe she was just a lunch lady but she loved being a lunch lady um, and yeah. to serve those kids she said that she really like for Feeney to be like she loved that and you know this this was her life that she appreciated um and i think that's beautiful yeah and it's kind of going back to what we were talking about with like death earlier um just the fact like this is very much something that feeney has experienced i'm just assuming based on age and just yeah. like knowing people um but yeah the fact that he not even just, like, in day-to-day -day life or, like, in school life. Like, this is a literal life lesson mm -hmm. um, with grief and everything that he's also kind of guiding him through. And the fact that Corey is, like, willing to also be put in that situation, like, by going to the funeral and, like, being there is just very sweet. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, how you said, I love that they get to have the moment together because there's, one, just a great combo, but... It's, it's just nice. It's nice. <laughs> um, okay, the next scene. We are back at the motel. Corey knocks and Ferna answers with, well, if it isn't Corey, the little go-between boy, and what message do you carry today? He says, no message, Mrs. Hunter. I'm here on my own. She notes he's dressed up and asks, do you intend on taking me to a picture show? He says, actually, <laughs> A picture show. He says, She's in the um, past. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. Like, they literally pulled her out of the 40s. It's insane. Um, 
<laughs> he says, actually, I'm dressed up because I just came back from saying goodbye to someone I really cared about. She apologizes and he says, yeah, I guess I never really realized how much I cared about her until she was gone. Verna agrees. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes leaving to make you realize what you had. He says, look, I know you left because you guys weren't a happy family, but you wouldn't have come back this far to this place unless you felt like there was still your family waiting for you across the road. She says, Corey, I did the worst thing somebody can do. I gave up and left. He says they feel like they did the worst thing by driving you away. Verna asks what he thinks since he's been back and forth between them. He's like, I think... Okay, I think you can make a hole in somebody's mashed potatoes, okay? And you can make that gravy come down just like lava, and you can do it 3,000 times, and they'll never appreciate it until the first day it's not there. But you're so lucky because you get to come back and find out that they learn to appreciate it now. She asks, you think they do? You think they want me back? He says, I think you'll never find out until you cross that highway and knock on the door. She kind of, like, stands up and, and walks over to the window, her back's to him. And says tearfully, you know, it's dangerous crossing that highway. Corey, fully not reading that emotion, is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, maybe once you get there, you'll be so happy that you'll want to stay. He starts to go, but she calls out to him and says, Sean's got a good friend. Corey says, yeah, well, he's got a good mom, too. Lucky guy. And he leaves. And that is the end of the scene. I would argue he doesn't have a good mom. <laughs> yeah. See, whenever she said Sean's got a good friend, I was like, you bet he does. And then yeah. he went, he's got a good mom. I was like. Oh, so close. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, Not quite. Yeah, I love that Corey just does this kind of on his own terms, and it's not like anybody's telling him anything. It's because of what he's been learning, uh, and that's just wonderful. I love that he just walks in with metaphors and everything, too. I know. <laughs> like, wow, look at you go. Little teacher. The grief has really changed him. <laughs> he's an adult now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but... I do love it because it's like you can go you can come back and learn what they appreciate or that they appreciate you now. It's like he's realizing that life is short uh in this moment, which is also weird again a weird thing whatever you're a kid and yeah. kind of realizing that. But kind of having that little push of like, hey, you you can literally walk across the road to the people that care about you or at least Sean especially who cares about you and the fact that you're not it's like I've I've been through this whole thing and like realized that <laughs> it's not forever, but like you have that opportunity to, to go do it, so why not? And yeah. that's a great thing for Corey to one realize, but to be the one to impart because again, he has a very good family life, and it's just really nice to see a friend sticking up for his for his other friend. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Also, Verna is extremely dramatic whenever she gets up. And is I like, know. I know that she's going through a lot and is processing things, but she's like, <gasps> it's dangerous crossing that highway. <laughs> um, okay, next scene. Chet is on the phone with what sounds like a motel and says, are you sure? Well, how long ago? Okay, thanks. He hangs up and tells Sean, I could never lie to you, so I'll just tell you the truth. Your mama exploded. Sean's like, what? <laughs> Chet says, she's gone, Sean. She checked out of the motel this afternoon. Lord knows where she is by now. Sean says, will you be chasing after? Chet says, not this time. And there's a knock at the door. It's Frankie and his little brother, Herman. <laughs> Apparently, he stole some shampoo while he was there. He apologizes. They leave. That's the extent of it. Uh, Chet tells Sean that it's going to be okay because you and me still got each other. And we got my secret plans. Sean's like, don't start with the secret plans. Chet's like, no, no, no. All your life, I've been telling you I had these secret plans that can make us rich. Well, I think it's time I let you in on them. <laughs> Sean asks, so there really are secret plans? Chet says, uh-huh. And here they are. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be the best father you could have. But I guess up till now, I've been keeping it a secret. They hug, and then Sean seems to see someone standing in the door. He says, Dad, your secret's out. And Chet turns to see Verna standing in the doorway. She asks if she can come in, and that is the end of the scene. Hmm. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen. Yeah, so beginning of the scene... Um, the fact that he starts off by saying, I would never lie to you, and then instantly lies to him. An insane lie. The, the craziest possible lie. Like, your mom, she died. She exploded, actually. Yeah. Spontaneously, um, I guess. But sure, why not? Yeah, again, just the really uh, comedic little bit with Frankie and his brother. Another out-of-place moment, but it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I love the small child, though. He's uh, so funny. He's doing yeah. a really good job. I am shamefaced. <laughs> <laughs> I just love what kind of weird little thief are you? Yeah. <laughs> such a, good, a good little line. Um, I will say, whenever Tay uh, says, like, laughs and then says my name, it's because I'm having a very physical reaction. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's known, but... I feel like I have to say that because no, it's for an audio sure. medium. Um, <laughs> and in this one in particular, oh, it's it's so bad. I like I don't. I feel bad about this entire situation, but also the like the way that they wrote these lines is very good and very sweet about the, uh, like him having the secret and then like the secrets being good parent. And I was like, oh, <laughs> even though. I've hated every single thing kind of leading up to it. And so it's like, you're actually trying to be a parent, I think. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't listen. I don't like it. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it's uh... your secret plans that were going to make you rich is you being a good father. And you were you were keeping being a good father from your kid. That's problematic. I'm sorry. And also... Because of everything you've left in the past, and again, you didn't want to come back as well, and only had like certain amounts of time to like talk to your son, and like didn't talk to him for every like every twenty three days, and like that's <laughs> it's yeah what, and uh, it's just, it's so sad that it ends with a hug, and that it's like, and now the mom is back. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't how to know feel. Man. It's I I understand the intent is good there right like he's saying that he's going to be trying to be a good father going forward and i love that he should be that's good i just think that's kind of it's just written a little clumsy there i think just a little bit i think it's a bummer too because sean is very clearly getting like what he needs out of this yeah just and it's not a good situation (laughs) yeah um yeah because like he just kind of wants validation that like his family's gonna be there, and now he's got one parent that's telling him, "Yep, I'm finally gonna be a parent now." And now <laughs> the second one's like coming back. Years. Yeah, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll give it a go. I guess. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like he's very clearly happy about the fact that like his mom is back too. And then it's like I I don't trust anybody in this situation from the parents. I trust Sean, but <laughs> right. But Sean's also a child. He doesn't know better. He doesn't know better. I just think back to when he and Turner were together and how Turner was actually like helping him through stuff mm-hmm. and trying to make him a better person. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, really hard right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's such a weird it's such a weird place for him to be because he he did have it pretty good at Turner's. But he also, it wasn't his parents. It wasn't his dad. And that's not what he needed, even though it might have, I think it might have been in some ways what he needed. It wasn't what he wanted. Yeah. Um, it's just so and hard. It's, just, it's so hard. It's so hard. And, you know, maybe we're too invested in this fictional boy's well-being. But I would and argue. I will keep being invested in this fictional yeah, boy. Yeah, I would argue that we're the exact right amount of, our, of invested because... We're doing a service here. <laughs> oh. I couldn't even finish saying it. <laughs> I didn't even believe that one. Listen. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing when the writers also like intend it to be like this very sweet moment and you're like, oh, that's nice writing, but also like I feel kind of icky. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little icky. It just feels a little icky. It does. That's the best word for it. And she's his mom is also just standing in the doorway like well, here I am, like kind mm-hmm. of like the hand on the hip and like now I'm I'm back and I'm here now and I don't like it. <laughs> she sounds a little tearful. Yeah. Presumably she's been watching this exchange. I I don't know. I have feelings about it. It's fine. It's it's there, right? The thing is mm-hmm. there. It's just like a little it's just a little eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Anyway, <laughs> next scene. <laughs> <laughs> 
We are back in the Matthews kitchen. Amy has once again set the table for breakfast. We hear a car horn and she gets up and opens the back door as Morgan scrambles down the stairs and out it. She closes it behind her, then waits and holds the door open again for both Alan and Eric. They do some banter, but also leave. And Amy goes and sits back down at the table. Corey then comes down with his stuff, but instead of leaving, he sits down at the table next to her. Amy is surprised and he says, mom, thanks for making me breakfast. She watches him start to eat, still very stunned. And that's the end of this episode. They play a weird musical stinger here that is like, it's like, I called it not resolute in my notes. Like it feels like there should be more happening, but this is the end of the episode. And also he did the right thing by sitting and having breakfast for her with her and thanking her for making it. So I don't know why it sounds like that. I feel like they should have flipped the two scenes around. Do you oh, know what I mean? Interesting. Like, and done Sean's sh- last? Yeah, they should have had Sean's last because then it, spoiler alert, the after credit scene is another like Corey thing. That's true. And so if the fact that they had it this short, they should have had it be like, well, now we got the family here and that's yeah. the end. That would have made more sense. You're so right. That is so, that's so right. You're absolutely right. Anyway, here's how my notes went for the scene. Okay. I wrote Amy and then had a sad face. And then I had Corey with the smile. And then I said, <laughs> okay, I'm tearing up multiple times in this episode. Yeah. Because this yeah. was just sweet. The fact that he actually cared. But yeah, that's <laughs> like. Not only. I think it's really significant that not only did he have breakfast with her, but he also thanked her for making it. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to have breakfast with you today. It's like you, I'm, I am noticing that you did this and thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And that's that's growth. He is growing. Look at our little boy go. <laughs> Look at our little boy go. Meeting that uh, world. Okay. End credits. We are back at the funeral home. Turner is here for eight seconds. <laughs> Turner, Corey, and Feeney are standing together. And Feeney says, normally your little schemes alarm me. But this time, I must say you've outdone yourself. Turner agrees. I still think you take your mashed potatoes too seriously, but uh, nice work. Corey says, well, the woman did have 900 children. I just thought they should all get their chance to say goodbye. We then get a wide shot of the students. First Sean, then Topanga, then Frankie, then others holding lunch trays with a single flower on them walk up to Brenda's casket, place the flower, and then leave. It's really lovely, and it made me weep, and that is the end of the episode in full. Like, are you kidding me? It's really, really – I – yeah. It's yeah, wonderful. It's, it is wonderful. so thoughtful. It's really well done. Oh, man. My other note about it is just I miss Turner being around more. I know. He's not really in this season so far, and it bums me out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is to be expected. He's not, like, the figure, but – it was nice seeing him for the little minute at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah. Anyway, funeral was lovely. How long has she been in the funeral home? I a great question. <laughs> it seems like this might be the second or third day. Okay. Unclear. Okay. Um, but maybe the first day was like the viewing or the wake or something, and then this day is like the day of the actual funeral. Because I don't know how funeral homes work, but I'm pretty sure they have the casket for a few days. I don't know. I also don't know. It just it almost seemed like it should be at the uh, school. Not even at the school, but like if they did it, this is a little grim, but like at the graveyard or like cemetery or something, oh. because then it would have been like all the flowers because now there's just a bunch of the flowers that are just going to be top. 900 flowers on top of this woman's <laughs> casket. The people running the funeral home are like, we gotta, we gotta, there's go. just flowers all over the floor and they're like, I mean, okay, I this is nice, I guess. Where am we going to put... We have to move this casket. <laughs> but I know that they can't do that because it's a set, so it's not like yeah. they can build every single thing. But Yeah, they only have so many sets. It was very thoughtful. I'm making yeah. a joke about this very sweet scene that did make me cry. So. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course, of course. Mm. Um, well, Sid, he said, what was the lesson, Sid? Uh, well... Appreciating the people in your life while you can, I think, is a big one. Mm-hmm. They kind of mention this, but the, there's like the half of it that Verna said that I'm like, yeah. Um, but then the other half is Corey, so I'm pulling it back around. Uh, sometimes it takes leaving to also realize what you had in life. And sometimes running from your problems rather than confronting them can create even bigger issues. So, Ooh, love that. One, two punch. <laughs> <laughs> but really appreciating people you know because 
life is so weird and not certain and the everybody has exciting lives Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we just need to value it so true bestie hey Sid I value you I value you too oh oh (laughs) look at us we're doing it we're friends Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, that's that brings us to the end of this very sad episode. Um, thank you so much. And now we're doing the end stuff. It's end stuff time. <laughs> okay. Uh, if, you'd like, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Lost Years Pod. We share fun memes. We share when the episode drops. And we also ask what you were nostalgic for. Last week, I asked, what was the song at your school dance that got you on the dance floor? And we got some responses. So thank you very much for that. Uh, At Jaconius said, the school dances I went to had pretty bad music for dancing. My prom went (laughs) hours before someone complained to the DJ and he put on some kind of Brian McKnight song that nobody knew, but it was the closest thing he had. (laughs) (laughs) I just like the idea of being like, can you play anything else? And this guy was like, I got it locked and loaded. Brian McKnight. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Brian McKnight went pretty hard, though. Let me just say... He could do it. He could do it. At checks nine two six said, "Let me ride that donkey," which is by sixty nine boys. <laughs> this is a classic, <laughs> at least among the Rockwood class of two thousand. <laughs> oh my gosh! Provided a link to it. Uh, so if you're also curious about what this sounds like, go check out our Twitter. And then as as a follow up response, said, "Wow, these lyrics are wow. Don't care. I'm I'm up dancing in my office. This improved my mood." So you're welcome. Like we have a fun. Incredible. Everybody go listen to the song now because it'll improve everybody's mood after this episode. <laughs> it's a very sad episode. At French Toast said, okay, it's a little on the nose, but this song used to make little sc- little middle school me freak out, which Missy Elliott's Lose Control. Let's go. I had to think of another one because this was the song that got me on the dance floor all the time ah. and still does. If I'm being honest, it's on my hype playlist. Um on my Spotify, so this it's a bot. Love that. Love a bot. At Calzone's Fright of the Pod. Fright of the Pod. Said Tayo Cruz Dynamite every time. I was different <laughs> and didn't like a lot of popular music, but that song was too hype. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Incredible. And then finally at LWTZZH said Suerte Whenever Wherever by Shakira. So Whenever Whenever it's like so good? funny being in middle school and uh them playing hips don't lie like that is <laughs> i was a middle school child just like yeah yeah man <laughs> but yeah thank you for all those submissions thank you the one i had to look up specifically 2008 because i only went to two dances when mm-hmm. i was in school um and i was very curious what was popular in 2008 because it's been so long that mm-hmm. is the year that David Cook won American Idol over David Archuleta. <laughs> so you yeah. know we were bumping Crush in the eighth grade dance, okay? Yep. You know we were bumping Crush. And then also, um, this would have been way after, but uh, Single Ladies came out in 2008 by Beyonce. So that mm-hmm. also probably would have been hitting, hitting on the dance floor. It was a bop. Um, as children, of course. Very into Single Ladies. <laughs> If you know me, I love dancing, so you could catch me on the dance floor at every single dance that I went to from middle school through high school, um, just all the time. But the songs that did, I mean, Lose Control, obviously. A great um, one. So good. I went to a uh, a handful of bar and bat mitzvahs as well, because where I grew up, uh, a very prominent Jewish community in East Michigan, and so I got to go to a lot of them, and always 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 in 2007 2000 yeah 2007 2008 was crank that soldier boy um oh yeah and that was every single kid was out there doing it and to the point where a bunch of the parents that were also around at those events or just relatives or people also tried to learn it and we were like no <laughs> like, go away this is our get out of here <laughs> and we were middle school children so um yeah that was a whole time also, oh, Umbrella, man. Umbrella came yeah. out during that time as well. So that that was fun. But well, hey, thank you so much for those submissions. Yeah. Uh, as a heads up, next week's question is: What was your favorite fall activity as a kid? 
I can't believe I haven't asked that before, but I looked Have back not and asked that? never asked it. So what do you like to do in the fall as a kid? Is that yeah. like rainy day and Christmas and summer, but like never fall? Never <laughs> fall. Fascinating. I don't get it. Well, good. Do? Great. We have a thing for it. Yeah. Um, feel free to uh, social media at us, the answer to that question. And also you can email us, the answer to that question at theloshiespod at gmail.com. We'll read your email on the show. You can also rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Good Pods, or subscribe wherever you get podcasts because it really helps us out, helps you find the show. And it's cool. It's cool. All the cool kids are doing it. So I don't know. Maybe you should try it. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's our show <laughs> um yeah thank you and thank you to the scavengers network for having us on the network you can check out other cool shows like midnight curiosities and it jams for thee on www.scavengersnetwork.com dot com our personal handles are in our show handles but if you want to find us individually um i'm on twitch Kind of, in theory, twitch.tv slash it's Takeo, And I'm on TikTok also at Takeo. Everything's Takeo, guys. I have a brand to maintain. My brand. My brand. Yeah, I'm on TikTok at Sudsley. Come have fun. Um, take care of yourselves. This was like kind of a heavy episode. We talked a lot about death and grief. And um, so, you know, give, give yourself and your loved ones a squeeze. We love you. And until next time. Your tag. Your sit. Just like it's always been. What else do you need to know? Goodbye, fam. Bye, fam. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. I'm glad that you said that, too. (laughs) (laughs) The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.